from the Hutterberg Catechism, we read together Lord's Day 5. Since, according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? Uh, God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment, either by ourselves or through another. Can we by ourselves make this payment? Uh, Certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Can any mere creature pay for us? No. In the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. Furthermore, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? One who is a true and righteous man, and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who at the same time, who is at the same time true God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, kidnapping remains a serious problem in the world today. In Canada, most often this involves non-custodial parents running away with their children after losing custody of them in a separation or divorce. In many parts of the world, though, kidnapping is a for-profit industry. Celebrities or prominent businessmen are targeted with the goal of getting paid a large ransom for their release. There's also a third form of kidnapping. Often people are kidnapped by terrorist organizations so that they can try and make demands to advance their cause. At times, one of the conditions of release may be the withdrawal of Western troops from their country. Now just imagine being one of those hostages or part of the family of one of those hostages What chance does a business have of ransoming an employee when such demands are made? Can a family pay the price to meet the conditions required by a terrorist organization? Can they release terrorists held in foreign jails? Or get various governments to have their troops there withdraw? Often families and businesses are powerless to affect the release of their loved ones under such conditions. Well, beloved, this example helps us to see what's at stake in Lord's Day 5. It focuses our attention on how we can escape from God's judgment against our sins and how we can be restored to his favor. You see, beloved, the fall into sin has made us captives. Now, our jail is not a physical one, but rather a spiritual one. By nature, we are slaves of sin, and we are under the dominion of the evil one. And the result is is that God's wrath rests upon us. His justice requires that payment for our sins must be made. Can we ourselves make this payment? Can anyone else pay the ransom for us? 
How do we escape the just judgment of our God? Is there any hope of us ever going free again? Is there any way for us to be received into God's favor? These are the questions we're dealing with in Lord's Day 5. It teaches us about the way of salvation, about the manner in which God saves us from our sins. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. God opened the way of salvation for us. We'll consider that we could not pay the ransom and that God provided a mediator who could. This afternoon, we read together from Psalm 49. Some psalms are confessions of sin. Others are cries for deliverance. Some are prayers, while others are songs of praise. Psalm 49 is different from them. We could say that it lies in the wisdom tradition. It's similar to much of the material we find in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. The psalmist wrestles with the problem of death and with the complacency of the rich in facing their death. Psalm 49 is a meditation on the meaning of life. It prepares us to die and to face judgment. The psalm opens with an invitation to wisdom. The psalmist says, Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. He calls both low and high and rich and poor to consider the meditation of his heart, to ponder on the Proverbs that he will utter. All men will face a common end. Death. Doesn't matter who you are, what status you hold, or the riches that you possess. A man's time on this earth is limited. Are we prepared for the day of our death? The psalmist asks a crucial question in verse 5. He asks, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? The people of God look calmly forward in dark times. We need not fear. Not even when iniquity surrounds us, when evil foes seek our life. Why not? Because God is the, strong, because God is the strongest of our foes. As the psalmist says in Psalm 56, verse 11, In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Or Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? We know what God said to Adam and Eve after they fell into sin. The Lord spoke of the enmity he put between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. It was true that Satan would bruise his heel. There's times in our lives when it seems like Satan has the upper hand. When evil grows stronger and bolder, when it openly assails us, when our mortal enemies attack us. Yet we have this comfort that God has promised redemption. He promised to send the Messiah to crush the serpent's head and thereby to deliver his people. 
The reason why the psalmist is fearless in evil days is because he knows the power of his adversaries is limited. Those who are proud, who trust in their wealth and boast of their riches, they face this insurmountable barrier. Despite being the mighty of the earth, they are limited in their power to save. The psalmist makes it clear in verse 7. He says, Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price for his life. The word ransom could be translated to buy back or to purchase. The psalmist makes it clear that it is not possible to ransom another person from death. To buy back someone's life through human wealth is impossible. Verse 8 makes it clear the price is too high. It says the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. The point the psalmist makes is that no payment's ever enough. We, can, we cannot pay the price to deliver another from death, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Death faces all people. That's God's judgment on man's sin. We deserve this punishment. In fact, we deserve eternal condemnation. Those things are symbolized in man's death. In the fact that no human being will continue to live eternally and not see the pit. Not even the mightiest of this age, not even the richest in this world, can deliver either themselves or a loved one from the grave. Death comes upon all. What we learn here is that we need to be redeemed from death. Human wealth and power are meaningless now. What can we give to God to escape the pit? Shall we write him a check? Or offer him the best of our investments? Our soul is at stake. And apart from redemption, it bears the penalty and the curse of death. Unless ransom is made for us, we'll face death and judgment. Well, this precisely is the point of Lord's Day 5. We know that according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment for our sins. That's why we cry out, how can we escape God's judgment? Is there any way to be restored to his favor? Our catechism answers these questions by stating, God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, full payment must be made, either by ourselves or by another. This answer makes clear the way of salvation. We can only be saved from our sins if payment is made for them. Yet all the silver and gold in this world is not enough to ransom even one soul. In Psalm 49, the psalmist speaks of the folly of those who trust in riches. While alive, the rich think that their houses will last forever, their dwelling place to all generations. They secure their lands and their own names. Title deeds identify them as owners of their lands and their houses. It's so easy to trust in riches, to depend on wealth. 
Yeah, material possessions only have an illusion of lasting. We think that we really possess things, but beloved, we don't. Our grip on earthly riches is very short. Ads tell us, diamonds last forever. Well, that may be so, but the problem is, we don't. The psalmist notes that both the wise and the foolish die. Those who put their trust in wealth must leave it to others. A man in his pomp will not remain. He's like the beasts that perish. The Lord Jesus made a similar point in the Gospels. In Matthew 6, 19, he taught about the uncertainty of earthly riches. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, Christ directed the people to make God their treasure, to serve him alone. Similarly, in Matthew 16, 26, Jesus asked, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Well, the money in the world is not enough to ransom even one soul. You see, beloved, our situation is like that of hostages held in an Islamic country by a terrorist group. The payment required to ransom us is beyond our reach. We simply can't satisfy God's wrath against our sins. We can't make the punishment required for them. The reason we cannot pay for our own sins is because we're all sinful people. In Psalm 143, David pleads with God, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. This negative evaluation of mankind is echoed throughout the Bible. When the prophet Isaiah comes into the presence of the Lord, he says, Woe is me, I am lost from a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord, the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was afraid he would be consumed because he is a sinful man had seen the glory of our righteous God. Paul summarizes the point well in Ephesians 2 when he says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. As people who are conceived and born in sin and are by nature slaves to sin, there's no way we can ever make the payment God requires for our sins. In Romans 3, Paul says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Beloved, we're like people who cannot even afford to pay the interest on the great debt that we owe. Instead of making progress, each day our debt grows. Spiritually, we're bankrupt. We can't pay the ransom required to deliver us from our sins and misery. We cannot just run away from our sins and misery either. For God is holy and just. 
He will not allow our disobedience and our apostasy to go unpunished. Listen to what Paul says about that in Romans 2. He asks, do you suppose that you will escape the judgment of God? Paul answers saying, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For God will render to each one according to his deeds. We're like captives, like prisoners. Our jail is not a physical one, but rather a spiritual one. By nature, we're slaves of sin, under the mastery of the evil one. The result is that God's wrath rests upon us. We face death and judgment. Who will deliver us? How do we escape the just judgment of our God? Is there any hope of ever going free again? Any way for us to be received into God's favor? In our first point, we considered we cannot pay the ransom required to free us from our sins. In our second point, we'll consider that God provided a mediator who could. Beloved, the glorious message of the gospel is that God finds a way for full payment to be made for our sins. He provides a way for us to escape his righteous judgment. God opens the door of salvation. He provides the way of redemption. The psalmist confesses this truth in Psalm 49, 15. After speaking about how death comes upon all and how earthly riches cannot save us, he confesses, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Man could not save himself, but God had mercy. In his grace he acted. God opened the way. The Lord recognized our helpless situation, that we couldn't pay and that there was no one to rescue us from our desperate plight. The psalmist knows this. That's why he speaks of God redeeming his soul. The Israelites were very familiar with the idea of being ransomed from sin and death. It was a concept taught to them in the law. It showed them how sacrifices were necessary as a payment for sins. It was especially clear in the Lord's requirement that the Israelites offer guilt offerings to pay for their sins. The guilt offering presented a commercial picture of sin. Sin is like a debt which man incurs against God. This debt is paid through the offered animal. We need to recognize that guilt offerings were very personal sacrifices. A guilt offering had to be brought by an individual. The one who offered the guilt offering laid his hand on the head of the animal as he confessed his sins. And thus the Lord taught his people that the person who has sinned needed to pay for sin. Every year the Israelites celebrated the Day of Atonement. It was a day on which payment was made for the sins of the whole nation. 
The high priest would choose two goats. The one was offered as a sin offering. The priest would enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of this goat and he would sprinkle it on the ark. The second goat was known as the scapegoat. The high priest confessed the sins of Israel over the head of this goat and then sent it into the wilderness. This goat carried on itself all the people's sins to a solitary place. Thus, the people of Israel were taught the concept of substitutionary atonement. That although they could not pay for their sins, a substitute could take their place and make payment for them. They awaited the coming of the Messiah. And Isaiah spoke of him in Isaiah 53. He made it clear how instead of holding us accountable for our sins, God would accept his suffering servant in our place as a guilt offering for our sins. Isaiah spoke of how he was pierced for our transgressions and of how the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The psalmist confessed in Psalm 49, 15, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. He understood God would provide a ransom for sins. He knew that this would require more than a payment of silver or gold. From the law, God's people had learned that payment for sin required the shedding of blood. Ultimately, the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant pointed forward to the blood of the Lamb. The Apostle Peter speaks about the way of salvation in that passage we read from 1 Peter 1, especially verses 18 and 19. He says, For you know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The guilt of our sins requires the shedding of blood. And the old covenant that was done by offering a lamb without defect. Yet we no longer need to make those kind of sacrifices. Because Christ came into this world as a perfect sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He offered up his body and blood to pay for our sins, to cover our guilt. And so we see, beloved, that when the way of salvation was blocked, God opened it. When we were doomed to death and destruction, God revealed his grace. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2, that God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And Paul also explains the way of salvation. He says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The effect of Christ's sacrificial service is just awesome for us. It means that the penalty for sin has been paid. 
that the justice of God has been satisfied. You all know what happens when a family member or business pays a ransom for a kidnapped person. That person is set free. He's given liberty again. He's restored to his family. He's given his life back again. Oh, beloved, that's what happens to us spiritually. When Christ ransomed us with his precious blood, he gave us new life in him. The debt of our sins is wiped out. Instead of being slaves to sin, we are now slaves to righteousness. Instead of being under the mastery of the evil one, Jesus Christ has now become Lord and Master of our lives. That's not all. Christ restores us to God's favor. Even death no longer holds any power over us. The psalmist confesses this in Psalm, Psalm 49, verse 15. He says, But God will ransom me from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Some biblical scholars think that God's people living in the Old Covenant didn't know anything about the resurrection or about the life everlasting. But they're wrong. In Psalm 49, the psalmist clearly confesses, God will ransom his soul from the power of the grave. He says that God will surely take him home. This testimony is confirmed by others living in the Old Covenant. Think of God's righteous servant, Job, who went through so much suffering. Job confessed. When he was at the lowest point of his life, he confessed. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Similarly, in Psalm 16, David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here, beloved, we see the riches that have been opened to us by the mediator, Jesus Christ. For our sins we deserve death and judgment. But God has opened the way of salvation in Christ, he has granted us righteousness and life, now and eternally. And so we have a glorious perspective on death for the children of God. For all those ransomed by the blood of Christ, death is not a payment for sin. Instead, it is an entry into eternal life. God has indeed opened the way of salvation for us. Consider our position without God and without Christ. We could not pay. There was no way out. 
Spiritually, we were prisoners, slaves of sin under the dominion of the evil one. Held captive with such a ransom required that we could never pay. But Christ came into this world to set us free. By his blood, he has paid the price for our redemption. May that motivate us to submit our lives to Christ. May we show forth our thankfulness for his wondrous redemption in word and deed. May we use our freedom to love God and our neighbor. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from Psalm 49, stanzas 1, 2, and 4.